today's reading of the business record for Wednesday, April 22nd on IRIS. I'm your reader, Laura Gibson. More residences sold in Des Moines area in March than a year ago. The number of homes sold in the greater Des Moines area in March increased more than one-third compared with the number sold in February, data from the Des Moines Area Association of Realtors shows. In addition, 16% more homes were sold in March than a year ago. Quote, there are still people who need to move. End quote, said Lance Hansen, association president in a prepared statement. He said housing activity slowed during the last two weeks of March, with fewer open houses and traditional showings. Still, he added, quote, many buyers are taking advantage of virtual tours and videos online to narrow down their list of properties to just a couple of favorites, end quote. In March, 1,051 residences were sold compared with the 907 sold in the previous year, according to the association. In February, 771 homes were sold. In addition, the median sale price of a home in March was $215,000, up nearly 11% from February's median sale price of $193,900. The median sale price in March in 2019, $209,900, according to the association. While real estate experts expect a slowdown in the market because of the novel coronavirus outbreak, low interest rates on mortgages are helping to keep buyers in the market, Hansen said in the news release. On Tuesday, for instance, the average rate on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage was 3.44%, according to NerdWallet. Quote, with interest rates so low, some folks who are already planning to buy are continuing to search for their next home and lock in on those low interest rates, end quote, Hansen said in the release. Mark Foundation seeks applications for small match grants. The Wellmark Foundation is now accepting applications for its small matching assets to community health match grants. The small match grants are for up to $25,000 and must be matched at least 50% with cash or in-kind contributions. At least half of the matching support must be in cash. The grants look ahead to the time that normalcy returns for communities, said Becky Wampler Bland, executive director for the Wellmark Foundation. Quote, when that time comes, our goal is to be a catalyst for bringing people together within a community to create safe and healthy environments that encourage physical activity and access to and consumption of nutritious foods now and for generations to come, end quote, she said. Applications for the small match grants are available online and must be submitted by June 5th. Successful applicants will be announced in August. Scene penalized $45 million by regulator for unauthorized pension risk transfers. Athene Holding, LTD, will pay a $45 million penalty to New York State for state insurance law violations related to the pension risk transfer business of subsidiary Athene Annuity and Life Company, Pensions and Annuities Magazine reported. The penalty was assessed by the New York State Department of Financial Services, which said Athene Annuity and Life Company solicited and completed 14 unauthorized pension risk transfer transactions with New York-based corporate pension plan sponsors. The subsidiary is not licensed 
as an insurer in New York. As part of its agreement with the department, Athene will transfer the handling of pension risk transfer transactions to its New York-based subsidiary, Athene Annuity and Life Assurance Company of New York. Athene Holdings companies include Athene USA in West Des Moines. Catch Des Moines PSA encourages making memories at home. Catch Des Moines has released a public service announcement that encourages people to stay safe and make memories from home as the community continues to practice social distancing to fight the spread of the coronavirus. The video, titled Memories, was released Tuesday and draws on memories of past travel while reminding people that once travel resumes, opportunities for reconnecting with family and friends will be cherished more than ever. Quote, right now, we need to stay safe and support each other at a distance, end quote, said Greg Edwards, president and CEO of Catch Des Moines and video narrator. Quote, once the tide has passed, Greater Des Moines has an incredible culture and many safe, clean, and affordable amenities that will make our destination very attractive for travelers, as well as meeting and event planners, end quote. Officials with Catch Des Moines say they are encouraging event planners to postpone, not cancel, events. Travel spending generated about $2.5 billion for Polk and Dallas counties in 2018. The latest year data was available. Catch Des Moines has launched several initiatives over the past month to support the local business community, including the DSM Challenge, where people challenge others to buy local during the pandemic. Upper Mississippi River Endangered by Climate-Induced Flooding Quad City Times The Upper Mississippi River has been designated the number one most endangered river in the United States for 2020 by American Rivers, a nonprofit environmental group based in Washington, D.C. The reason? Quote, increasingly severe flooding fueled by climate change, end quote, according to a news release. The Upper Mississippi is the 1,243 miles of river from Lake Itasca, Minnesota, to Cairo, Illinois. It forms the entire eastern border of Iowa and western border of Illinois. Significantly, the number two most endangered river on American Rivers annual listing is the Lower Missouri, and for the same reason, flooding. The Lower Missouri forms the entire western border of Iowa. Notebook one good read. What are you wearing to your home office? One of the very few positive things about being stuck at home during this pandemic is the time I've gained in the morning. No more standing in front of the mirror making sure my hair is properly styled. No more spending time picking out clothes or ironing them. I just pull on a sweatshirt and pants, pour myself a cup of coffee, and head to the computer. The Wall Street Journal this week has a piece by two writers who opine about the pros and cons of getting dressed up to work at home. Catherine K. Zarella favors taking time to look semi-professional and urges readers to toss the sweaty sweatshirt in the hamper and put on some nice clothes, and not just from the waist up. Doing so reminds people of their self-worth, she writes. Quote, we set our self-esteem according to other people's interactions with us. London psychologist Carolyn Mayer told Zarilla, We don't have that at the moment, so we have to value ourselves, end quote. Fashion editor Rory Satrin, on the other hand, writes that she feels no need to dress up. 
Saturn writes that while she hasn't lost hope, she's just being realistic. Quote, for those of us lucky enough to shelter in place and work from home, it's time to lean into the pajama game to embrace comfort and coziness, end quote, Saturn writes. The business record would love to hear what our readers who are working at home are wearing to their home offices and why they either dress somewhat professionally or just pull on whatever is available. Send us your 50 word or less responses and we'll share them in an upcoming newsletter and print edition. You can email us at newsroom at bpcdm.com. ISU professor named co-editor-in-chief of Journal of Supply Chain Management. David Cantor, a professor of supply chain management at the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State University, has been appointed to serve as co-editor-in-chief of the Journal of Supply Chain Management, the college had announced. Cantor holds the Mark and Terry Walker Professorship in Logistics at the Business College. His research focuses on the impact of public policy on safety issues in the trucking industry, environmental management, and behavioral operations management. In addition to serving on several editorial boards, Cantor has generated more than 35 publications over the course of his career. The Journal of Supply Chain Management has ranked in the top two for the past six years among supply chain journals. Direct Primary Care Practice, Strata Healthcare, adds West Des Moines Clinic. Exemplar Care, a direct primary care practice in West Des Moines, has joined Strata Healthcare, a regional direct primary care network based in Omaha. Exemplar Care, founded in January 2019 by Dr. John Vanderveer, is the first direct primary care clinic in Greater Des Moines to affiliate with Strata Healthcare and the second Iowa practice to join Strata. Founded in 2016 by Dr. Joel Besmer, Strata Healthcare is one of the region's largest direct primary care organizations, with more than 50 providers in practices in Nebraska, Iowa, Colorado, and Michigan. DPC is a rapidly growing model for delivering primary health care. Members pay a monthly membership fee, which gives them access to their physician through traditional office visits, along with phone calls, messages, email, and virtual visits. WebSpec offers free assistance to Polk County businesses applying for Facebook grants. WebSpec, a Des Moines marketing and technology company, is offering free assistance to help Polk County businesses apply for a portion of the $100 million cash grants offered by Facebook up to 30,000 small businesses in communities where Facebook operates. The assistance is open to any small business in Polk County applying for grants worth up to $2,500 in cash and $1,500 in optional ad credit on Facebook platforms. The funds may be used for rent and other operational costs. Businesses do not need a Facebook or Instagram account to apply by the April 28th deadline. Businesses may contact WebSpec online for assistance. ISU Startup Factory Moves Program Online Extends Application Deadline Iowa State University's Startup Factory has moved all weekly cohort meetings online to continue delivering the 52-week program, the organization announced this week. 
the Accelerator has extended its Cohort 9 application deadline to May 29th as well. Applications are available online. Final decisions will be announced in June, and the cohort is scheduled to begin June 23rd. Kemen enters exclusive agreement for poultry salmonella vaccine. Kemen Industries, a global ingredient manufacturer based in Des Moines, announced today that it has signed an exclusive agreement with Pacific Gene Tech, a biologics company that develops and commercializes next-generation vaccines for areas of high, unmet, or underserved needs in food safety and animal health to license PGT's Salmonella vaccine for poultry. PGT's Salmonella vaccine was developed from the company's proprietary Aegeus platform, which is applicable to multiple pathogens, including bacteria, parasites, and viruses. Quote, partnering with PGT on this vaccine will allow Kemen to deliver the technology needed to address salmonella contamination in poultry, a common pathogen that threatens food safety and the health of consumers, end quote, said Chris Nelson, Kemen's president and CEO. As part of its partnership with PGT, Kemen will focus on developing the salmonella vaccine and registering it in the United States and other countries beginning with the European Union. Kemen will also begin expanding the vaccine's availability in Southeast Asia and Africa. Iowa's March unemployment rate rises to 3.7%. Iowa's seasonally unemployment rate was 3.7% in March, up from 2.7% a year ago, according to Iowa Workforce Development. The unemployment rate, however, reflects just a portion of the impact that the shutdown of Iowa businesses due to the novel coronavirus has had on Iowa's workforce, Iowa Workforce Development's Director Beth Townsend said in a release. Unemployment data released in May will better reflect the percentage of Iowa workers affected by the shutdowns. Before the coronavirus outbreak, Iowa was experiencing unemployment rates of less than 3%. More than 1.67 million Iowans were employed in March, according to the state agency. Quote, the more Iowans who remain employed throughout the pandemic should help reduce the economic impact and hopefully assist in faster recovery period when the economy begins to reopen, end quote, Townsend said in a release. The number of unemployed Iowans jumped to 63,500 in March from 49,300 in February, according to the agency. In March 2019, 46,800 Iowans were unemployed. The U.S. unemployment rate rose to 4.4% in March. Report. More than 450,000 undocumented college students in U.S. More than 450,000 college students across the United States about 2% of all U.S. college students, are undocumented residents according to a new report by New American Economy and the President's Alliance on Higher Education and Immigration. The report, titled Undocumented Students in Higher Education, How Many Students Are in U.S. Colleges and Universities and Who Are They?, claims to show for the first time how many undocumented students are enrolled at colleges and universities across the United States. Not surprisingly, five of the most populous states have the largest numbers of undocumented students in higher education.
They are California with 92,000, Texas with 66,000, Florida with 42,000, and New York with 33,000, and Illinois with 21,000. Iowa is among 25 other states with sample sizes that were too small to report an estimated number of undocumented students. As the COVID-19 pandemic underscores severe shortages in healthcare sectors across the country, undocumented students are a crucial part of the pipeline towards filling that gap, according to the report. For instance, 39% of undocumented graduate students already hold a bachelor's degree in a science, technology, engineering, and math field. Additionally, 280,000 undocumented immigrants, including 62,000 DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, eligible individuals are serving on the front lines of the coronavirus crisis as healthcare workers, according to the NAE's analysis. With the U.S. Supreme Court decision on DACA expected to come as early as this month, the report highlights the significant number of DACA-eligible individuals enrolled in higher education. Among the report's top findings are 87% of DACA-eligible students are enrolled in undergraduate programs, and 13% of DACA-eligible students are enrolled in graduate-level programs. 216,000 of those individuals hold or are eligible for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, DACA. 82% of undocumented students are enrolled in public institutions while 18% attend private post-secondary institutions. The Greater Des Moines Partnership has been working with the Partnership for a New American Economy over the past five years in promoting a regional approach to immigration issues focused on economics, workforce, and the community. It's estimated that more than 150,000 immigrants live and work in Greater Des Moines. Iowa State University, DMACC, Launch Work From Home Cybersecurity Series. The Iowa Cyber Hub, a cybersecurity education partnership between Iowa State University and Des Moines Area Community College, is launching a series of videos at www.iowacyberhub.org to help newly remote workers adjust to new cybersecurity practices. The series, titled I'm Working From Home, Now What? is available for free online to teach employees how to identify cybersecurity threats, understand how cybersecurity processes work, and enact safe practices such as password authentication and email security. IEDA Board announces awards representing $23 million in capital improvements, creation of 76 jobs. An Ames plastic manufacturer and the three central Iowa startups, including a small toilet seat maker and a tilapia farm, were awarded financial assistance today from the Iowa Economic Development Board. The board also awarded tax benefits to an Urbandale company to build a training facility. The board awarded Amcor Rigid Plastics tax benefits through the High Quality Jobs Program to expand its Ames facility. The project, which represents a $3.1 million capital investment, will allow Amcor to bring six additional production lines to Ames. The project is expected to create 42 jobs, with six of those positions paying the qualifying wage of $27.25 per hour.
Amcor is among the world's largest makers of rigid plastic packaging for the food, beverage, spirit, and personal home care and healthcare industries. It operates in 13 countries and 59 locations, including Ames, Des Moines, and Centerville. The board also awarded $710,000 in tax benefits through the High Quality Jobs Program to Iowa Bankers Insurance and Services, Inc., to build a training center in Urbandale. The company will use the building to recruit and train the workforce it needs to support its growth. The project will create 18 jobs, 12 of which will pay the qualifying wage of $30.98 per hour. Three central Iowa startups were also awarded financial assistance from the state. Des Moines-based Trade Labs, a social marketplace for stock trading education, was awarded a $25,000 Proof of Commercial Relevance loan for software development, research, and legal and administrative expenses. The platform allows experienced traders to post and create content for inexperienced traders for a monthly subscription fee. NX GenCare in Roland developed a smart toilet seat to help skilled nursing communities and healthcare centers automate the charting process for residents' behavior. It was awarded a $25,000 proof of commercial relevance loan for proof of concept work and product refinement. Technology can help identify early signs of health problems. The board also awarded a $100,000 demonstration fund loan to Eagles Catch an aquaculture company in Ellsworth. The company is building one of the world's largest indoor fish farms to produce tilapia. The loan will help the company buy equipment to optimize its production. Other companies to receive awards today were Iowa City-based Apollo Technologies, an internet-based hiring platform designed to match healthcare facilities requiring temporary positions with healthcare providers. The company received a $25,000 Proof of Commercial Relevance loan to the Intellectual Property Development and Evaluation, Proof of Concept Work, Product Refinement, Market Planning, and Key Personnel. The hiring platform allows clients to rapidly fill positions on an on-demand basis. Marion-based Shop Where I Live received a $25,000 Proof of Commercial Relevance Loan for Market Analysis, Product Refinement, Digital Marketing, and IP Development. The company helps local businesses, artisans, and service providers overcome the obstacle of traditional in-person-only sales. Applicam, Inc. was awarded a $676,000 capital investment tax benefit through the Targeted Jobs Program to help the company relocate to Council Bluffs. The move will allow the company additional space needed to expand production. Applicam Inc. makes and distributes adhesives for industrial applications such as glue, sealants, and tapes. The move will create 16 jobs with 12 of the positions paying the qualifying wage of $21.30 per hour. Iowa teens can compete in National Financial B April 20th through 24th. The Iowa Insurance Division is inviting students in grades 7 through 10 to participate in the inaugural EVERFI National Financial Bee, taking place April 20th through 24th. The first of its kind nationwide financial literacy challenge 
provides an opportunity for students to have some fun and learn financial concepts at home while social distancing. The five-day challenge, created by Social Impact Education Program, EVERFI, and supported by leading financial institutions nationwide, features a short daily digital lesson and capstone essay with contest in which students will share a financial dream of theirs and how they plan to get there. Winners of the National Financial Bee will receive a total of $20,000 in college scholarships. Money Smart Kid, Money Smart Teen essay winners announced. Loke Helvey, an 8th grader at Trainer Middle School in Trainer, and Jack Anderson, a senior at Akron Westfield High School in Akron, won the statewide financial literacy essay contest for Money Smart Week Iowa and have been named Iowa's 2020 Money Smart Kid and Money Smart Teen, respectively. Both students will receive a $1,000 scholarship from the Iowa Bankers Association to put towards their post-secondary education. The essay contests were sponsored and organized by the IBA in partnership with the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago's Money Smart Week campaign. 41 middle school students from across the state participated in Iowa's 14th annual 2020 Money Smart Kid Essay Contest, and 50 high school students participated in the state's first annual Money Smart Teen Essay Contest. Des Moines' new updated website receives recognition. The City of Des Moines and partner Revise Software Systems received gold recognition for the city's new website from a panel of international judges, as part of the 18th annual Horizon Interactive Awards, the city announced in a news release. The new website was launched a year ago. The website had last been upgraded nearly a decade ago. Quote, this award not only validates the team's accomplishments of redesign and modernization, but also honors their collaboration and motivation to deliver a better product to, for the residents of Des Moines. End quote, Anna Whipple, the city's chief information officer, said in a prepared statement. Winefest 2020 rescheduled. Winefest Des Moines is rescheduling its 2020 festival for later this year. Here are the new dates. August 7th through 8th, Sips in the City and the Community Choice Grand Tasting. August 29th, Meredith Saturday Sessions. August 30th. Iowa Pork Lawn Party. September 2nd, the Art of Wine event presented by Foster Group. September 10th, Prima Dinners. September 15th, Toasting Tuesday. September 16th, Progressive Dinner presented by Business Solver. Winefest is also working on alternative plans for its spring events. Wind blows by coal to become Iowa's largest source of electricity from the Des Moines Register. A new report from the American Wind Energy Association says wind is now the largest single source of electricity in Iowa. According to the Trade Association's Wind Powers America 2019 annual report, Iowa is now generating more than 10,000 megawatts of wind energy, accounting for more than 40% of the state's electricity. Wind became the leading source of electricity in both Iowa and Kansas this year, making them the first states to reach that benchmark. Previously, 
Coal-fired power generation had been Iowa's main source of electricity. Best Opinion, Redesign Thinking by Rebecca Wolford, co-founder of Creative Habitat. Welcome to Redesign Thinking 101. This is a new course based on the principles of design thinking with an added focus on shifting paradigms. You have been automatically enrolled in this experiential learning course for the foreseeable future. You are part of a diverse cohort of classmates, including your coworkers, neighbors, family, and friends. Please note, there is no syllabus, but rather a framework to help guide you through the foundations of redesign thinking in all aspects of daily life. Questions are encouraged. Answers are not guaranteed. Let's get started. The first question you may be asking is, who is my instructor? Answer, this is a self-led course with many guest lectures. You can choose from a variety of experts across many platforms. There is no shortage of voices seeking your attention, so choose wisely. Use your discernment to decide how you will apply their teaching to your final project. What does the final project entail? Answer, it depends. What part of your daily life do you need to redesign the most to ensure quality results? Let your answer to that question lead you as we progress through the five-step redesign thinking process, starting with empathy. The five steps of redesign thinking. Empathize. First, you must consider who will be directly and indirectly impacted by your redesign project. Loop them in for feedback as soon as possible. Ensuring key stakeholders' voices are heard will help increase understanding and overall cohesiveness for anyone involved in the redesign process. Listening to understand will help you define key issues you may not have thought of on your own. Define. Take insights gained from empathy to refine your goal and determine your project focus. Ideate. Once you have a focused goal, it is time to use your creative problem solving to develop new solutions and determine which solution best addresses the goal and is most feasible for all involved. Empathy must remain top of mind throughout your redesign process, especially in times of crisis. Coming up with several solutions will ensure adaptability if the first solution does not work as planned. Prototype. Once you have a few solid ideas, it's time to put a plan or prototype together. Remember to stay flexible, understanding that plans are a roadmap, but not the final destination. There may be detours or a completely different route to reach your goal, but you have to start somewhere. Start simple. Test. Once you have outlined your plan, share the plan with those involved and take action. Try, iterate, and try again. Repeat until you achieve the redesigned goal you have envisioned. Patience and diligence go far in this phase. Whether you are redesigning your organizational structure, your budget, schooling for your kids, work-life balance, or any of the other facets of life that have changed drastically in recent weeks, you can use this simple framework to redesign anything. As a fellow classmate in Redesign Thinking 101, time has become my redesign focus, how I spend it, how I share it, and how I embrace it. Time, in its present sense, is the only resource we all share equally and thus the greatest gift we can give to one another in these perilous yet persevering times.
few years ago, I read a book called Mystery of the Shemata by author Jonathan Kahn, and it changed my paradigm on time and the value of rest for our land, both figuratively and literally. After finishing this book, I was compelled to redesign the rushed pace at which I was living, a pace that now has now forcibly slowed for all Americans. While there are inherent risks in slowing down, there can also be inherent gains. We all have a unique opportunity to reconsider the way we use and appreciate the precious time we are given. Tomorrow is not promised. Today is a gift. These words have never felt more true. Wishing you all the best as you progress through Redesign Thinking 101, learning how to redesign and rethink your approach each day ahead. We are all in this together. Godspeed. Rebecca Wolford is a Gallup-certified strengths coach and the co-founder of Creative Habitat, a local nonprofit designed to provide a nurturing environment for families to work, play, and grow in community through co-working and childcare and strengths-based development programming and services. You can follow Creative Habitat on Facebook and Instagram at Creative Habitat Moms. Wolford can be contacted at rwolford, W-O-L-F-O-R-D, at creativehabitat.org. Des Moines MPO announces $15 million for area transportation projects. The Des Moines Area Metropolitan Planning Organization announced $15 million in grant awards today for projects around the Des Moines area. The largest award, $4.6 million, went to the City of Des Moines for the Southeast Connector Project from Southeast 30th Street to U.S. Highway 65. The grants support a variety of projects for both vehicle and pedestrian traffic. Other projects receiving grants approved by the MPO Policy Committee last week include major road construction projects in Altoona, West Des Moines, and Windsor Heights, and bridge improvements in Des Moines and Polk County. The grants also include funds for new buses and shelters for the Des Moines Area Regional Transit Authority, electrical bikes for the B-Cycle Bike Sharing Program, and new trail projects in Des Moines and Ankeny. Quote, we are really pleased with this cycle of grant awards. Joe Gatto, Des Moines City Council member and chair of the MPO Policy Committee, said in a release announcing the grants Monday morning. This shows you how the region is working together to build a regional transportation network with options for all residents, end quote. The grants are funded through the Federal Surface Transportation Block Grant Program, intended for vehicle transportation projects and the Surface Transportation Block Set-Aside Program, intended for trails and other pedestrian-friendly projects. The grants, administered by the Des Moines Area MPO, will become available for the projects in October 2023. Projects that received grants were scored on how well they met regional goals established in the MPO's Mobilizing Tomorrow Plan, a long-range transportation plan, through the year 2050 along with public input on the projects. Algona awarded 2020 Excellence in Agriculture Education Award. The Iowa Council on Agricultural Education awarded Algona Community School the 2020 Excellence in Agriculture Education Award to be presented at the Iowa Association of Agriculture Educators 
Conference in Ames, scheduled for June 22nd through 24th. The district will also receive an Advisory Committee Award. Other districts recognized are Eddyville, Blakesburg, Fremont, and Charles City. Algona's Agricultural Instructor and FFA Advisor is Betsy Becker. Iowa Medical Society names new president and directors. Brian Pivot, MD, an ophthalmologist from Cedar Rapids, was installed as the 171st Iowa Medical Society president on April 17th during a virtual inauguration ceremony. The IMS membership also elected four at-large directors to three-year terms and the board appointed two at-large directors to complete partial terms. Cynthia Hogue, DO, Family Medicine in Knoxville. Moni Frere, MD, Nephrology in Iowa City. Charmini Suryar, MD, International Medicine and Pediatrics in Humboldt. Lillian Erdhall, MD, Surgical Oncology, Iowa City. Leonard Kerr, DO, Emergency Medicine, Ankeny, appointed to a one-year term. Christina Taylor, MD, Internal Medicine, West Des Moines, appointed to a two-year term. The traditional inaugural ceremony activities will still take place on July 10th in Cedar Rapids during the rescheduled IMS President's Reception and Awards Program. The statewide professional association represents 6,800 Iowa physicians, residents, and medical students. Airport warns of fake website. The Des Moines International Airport is warning customers about a fake website that is posing as the official website for airport information. According to a news release from airport officials, they are working to remove the fake website and are advising travelers to only use information found at the official airport website, www.flydsm.com. Several other fake airport websites have been identified across the country, officials said in the release. Quote, we want Iowans to be aware of the fake website so they aren't misinformed or taken advantage of, end quote. Kevin Foley, executive director of the Des Moines Airport Authority, said in a release, the official social media accounts for the Des Moines International Airport are at DSM Airport on Twitter and DSM International Airport on Facebook. Preserve Iowa Summit to host virtual sessions. The 2020 Preserve Iowa Summit will move online, hosting a mixture of live and pre-recorded sessions, virtual tours, and an awards ceremony June 4th through 6th. Summit organizers announced today. The Iowa Department of Cultural Affairs, State Historic Preservation Office, the Dubuque Historic Preservation Commission, Travel Dubuque, Preservation Iowa, Heritage Works, RDG Planning and Design, and the National Park Service are co-presenting this year's summit, which will offer sessions on practical preservation techniques, applying for tax incentives, music history, and other topics. First reading of proposed zoning changes approved by Des Moines Council for two controversial projects. Zoning changes for two contentious proposed projects received initial backing from the Des Moines City Council on Monday during a marathon virtual meeting that lasted nearly four hours. The Council approved requests to change the zoning on property in Northeast Des Moines, where a homeless shelter for women and children is proposed, 
and to change the zoning on property on the city's west side where an event center is proposed. The meeting was held virtually as a way to keep large groups of people from gathering in one place to avoid the spread of the novel coronavirus. The request by Taylor Bozen of White Willow Events to change the zoning at 6011 and 6015 Grand Avenue to allow the development of an event center received the most resistance, with neighbors raising concerns about increased traffic, noise, and potential for accidents. The proposed two-story, 7,000-square-foot structure would be open until 10 p.m., Sundays through Thursdays, and until midnight on Fridays and Saturdays, according to city documents. Bozen, however, said during the hearing the center would close at 11 p.m. on Fridays and Saturdays. Bill Kirby, who lives within 250 feet of the proposed event center, described the neighborhood as, quote, pretty quiet, end quote. Quote, an event center specializing in wedding receptions every weekend drastically changes that quiet neighborhood, he said during the public hearing held via the teleconferencing software Zoom. When most of us are returning home to turn on our lamps and tuck in our children, the party at the event center would just be getting started. But the noise and activity after the party is over is probably more disruptive. People conversing, car doors slamming, headlights shining into windows. A potential business like this, set in a neighborhood, disrupts what it is to be at home in a neighborhood, end quote. Bozen, who has family ties to city councilwoman Connie Bozen, said no more than 300 people would be at the proposed event center at one time and many would be using a rideshare service to arrive and leave the venue. She also said there was ample parking space between the center's lot and lease agreements with neighboring businesses. Taylor Bozen said she planned to install windows that deaden noise. In addition, the zoning change does not allow concerts or other music-only performances at the center. Councilman Josh Mandelbaum, who represents the area, said he appreciated how much residents cared about the neighborhood. He said he also appreciated Taylor Bozen's passion for the proposed project. Quote, this project, like many of the issues we face on the council, requires us to get a balance right, he said. We have an opportunity to redevelop an underutilized, deteriorating commercial property on one of the major corridors of our city, end quote. Mandelbaum said he agreed with the staff recommendation that an event center was an appropriate use for the site. He said the site plan process and other city requirements will help keep down noise and light pollution. Quote, I recognize we have work to do, end quote, he said. The council voted 6-0 to zero to approve the first reading of an ordinance to rezone the properties. Connie Bozen abstained. Two more readings are required before the zoning changes are in effect. The council, on a 7-0 vote, also approved the first reading of an ordinance to rezone property at 3800 East Douglas Avenue to allow a homeless shelter for women and children to open on the site. The shelter would be operated by Hope Ministries, which as an agreement to buy the former elementary school turned church. At a previous public meeting, area residents raised concerns that a shelter would cause property values to decrease cause overcrowding in nearby schools, and spark an increase in crime. Those concerns were not aired at Monday's council meeting. Quote, how we measure our success is how well we help others be successful, 
end quote, said Councilwoman Linda Westergaard, who represents the area where the shelter is proposed. Quote, and that is what Hope Ministries brings. I think it will be a good addition to our community, end quote. Women Lead Change to host virtual workshop featuring Anne Grady. Women Lead Change is hosting a virtual Women Connect workshop featuring author Anne Grady on May 14th from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. to teach emotional intelligence skills for participants. The organization announced this week. Tickets and more information on the event are available online. Out-of-state company agrees to pay $75,000 for asbestos violations. Phoenix Investors, LLC, a Milwaukee real estate company, has agreed to pay the state of Iowa $75,000 for admitted asbestos violations regulations at a former Maytag building in Newton, according to the state attorney general's office. The consent order was approved April 17th by 5th Judicial District Judge Martha L. Mertz. The Iowa Attorney General's Office, on behalf of the Iowa Department of Natural Resources, sued Phoenix as well as JBS Services, a Milwaukee-based contractor hired by Phoenix to abate the asbestos in the building according to a release. The lawsuit against JBS remains active. Phoenix owns the former Maytag Boiler Building, located at 927 North 19th Avenue East in Newton, and plans to demolish the building, which was used to power the former Maytag appliance factory. Before doing so, Phoenix must complete an asbestos survey and have an Iowa-licensed asbestos inspector present during demolition. The state alleged that Phoenix and JB2 committed multiple violations of asbestos regulations, including failing to thoroughly inspect for asbestos before renovation, failing to submit the required notifications before removing asbestos, and failing to use proper methods to remove, collect, and dispose of asbestos-containing material, according to the release. Viridian President and CEO Monty Berg announces retirement. Viridian President and CEO Monty Berg has announced his plan to retire in July after 30 years at the credit union. Viridian's board of directors has accepted his recommendation to name Rene Christopher as the credit union's next president and CEO. Christopher currently serves as Viridian's chief administration officer. Quote, while I couldn't have predicted that this transition would take place during such a historic time, the decision is rooted in many months of thoughtful consideration and years of succession planning, end quote, Berg said in a statement. Quote, anyone who's worked closely with Renee knows her to be a smart, driven, and compassionate leader. I know there's no one better suited to lead our credit union through the challenges and opportunities of our current time and well into the future, end quote. Berg started at Viridian, then known as John Deere Community Credit Union, in 1990 as the Senior Vice President of Finance. He served in that position for 25 years until becoming President and CEO in 2015. During his career, membership in the credit union's cooperatively owned financial services grew from 40000 to 244000 Quote, For 30 years, Monty's leadership and dedication to our members and employees has been the pillar of our credit union. End quote, Nick Waters. Viridian's board chair said in a statement, quote, we're grateful for his service and his absence will be felt. Renee has also served as a constant source of steady, proven leadership at Viridian for decades. 
I share our board and management team's absolute confidence that she's the right person for the job, end quote. Christopher joined the credit union as a co-op student in 1993 and stayed to become a teller the next year. Over the following decade, she served as a loan officer, branch manager, and regional manager until becoming senior vice president of retail in 2004. She's served in her current role as chief administration officer since 2007. Quote, Monty has been an invaluable mentor for much of my professional life. It's difficult to express how fortunate and grateful I am for that experience, Christopher said in a statement. Thanks to his leadership, Viridian is well-equipped to serve our members through the times of uncertainty and into their successful financial futures, end quote. Number of residential building permits issued in first quarter, up 41% from 2019. 19 central Iowa communities have issued 636 building permits for single-family houses and townhomes during the first quarter of 2020, data collected by the Home Builders Association of Des Moines shows. The number of permits issued is 41% more than were issued during the first three months of 2019. The value of single-family permits totaled more than $148 million. The Iowa Division of Home Construction Company, D.R. Horton, took out 77 single-family permits whose value totaled $21.3 million, the association's data shows. The value of permits issued for townhouses was $19 million, the data shows. Project Update. Construction of Amazon Fulfillment Center on track. What? Amazon Fulfillment Center. Where? 532nd Street Southwest, east of Highway 65 in Bondurant. Project value, $295.56 million. Background and update. Construction of the Fulfillment Center is on schedule to be completed by late fall, according to a spokeswoman for Minneapolis-based Ryan Coe's U.S. Inc. The city of Bondurant in December issued a building permit for $1.4 million for the building. The four-story building will have a total of 2.68 million square feet, according to the building permit. Construction work at the facility continues as a highly contagious virus spreads through the country. Quote, this is an unprecedented time in our company, our country, and the world. End quote, said Brian Murray, CEO of Ryan Co's, in a prepared statement to the business record. Quote, our primary focus is on the health and well-being of our employees, our clients, and our partners and subcontractors. And we have that firmly in our sights, guiding every decision we make. Our leadership team has a multi-tiered plan in place and is mobilized to adjust our actions as the situation evolves, end quote. Related, Amazon recently opened a delivery station in Grimes, a spokesperson for the Seattle-based retailer told the business record. A delivery station in Iowa City has also opened. Quote, we are excited to increase our investment in Iowa with two new delivery stations to provide fast and efficient delivery for customers and provide hundreds of job opportunities for the talented local workforce, end quote. The spokesperson said, Amazon's Grimes delivery station is located in the Grimes Distribution No. 5 facility, a Hubble Realty Company property located at 1301 Southeast Gateway Drive. Notable Transactions Southside Church buys former grocery store building. Living Water Fellowship paid Fairway Stores Incorporated $1 million for property 
at 3000 Southeast 22nd Street, Des Moines, Polk County Real Estate Records show. The 22,538 square foot building, constructed in 1997, had been used as a grocery store. The store closed several months ago. In 2019, the property was valued at $1.2 million. The transaction was recorded on April 14th. Josh Daggett, the lead pastor at Living Water Fellowship, in an email to the business record, said the interior of the former grocery store will be remodeled and the church will move into it. In related action, the Des Moines City Council on Monday approved a request from Daggett to rezone property at 3161 Southeast 22nd, where the church currently meets. The 1,224-square-foot building has had several uses over the years, including a sweet shop and laundry and bakery and restaurant. Daggett, in, in an email, wrote that a daycare was going to purchase the building at 3161 Southeast 22nd Street, currently used by the church, but the buyer pulled out of the deal for several reasons, including COVID-19. The council, on a 7-0 vote, approved the zoning change and waived the second and third readings of the ordinance. In other transactions, Dental Studio Johnson, LLC, paid Johnston Land Development, LLC, $1.65 million for property at 5495 Northwest 100th Street in Johnston. Polk County Real Estate Transactions Show. The 3,906-square-foot building, constructed in 2018, was valued at $1.1 million. The transaction was recorded on April 20th. Apex Dental Properties, LLC, paid KEC Investment, LLC, $1.27 million for property at 725 South 51st Street in West Des Moines Records Show. The 1.8-acre plot of undeveloped land was valued at $2,360. The transaction was recorded on April 14th. Banking Group Plans New Building in Urbandale The Iowa Bankers Association and its affiliate, Iowa Bankers Insurance and Services, Inc., plans to build a two-story, 60,000-square-foot office building in Urbandale's North Park Business Park, documents submitted to the state and city of Urbandale show. Project costs are estimated at $19.6 million. The association provides advocacy, education, and public awareness activities, according to information submitted to the Iowa Economic Development Board. Iowa Bankers Insurance and Services offers property and casualty insurance to Midwestern banks as an insurance agency and administers a self-funded health multiple employer. The state board last week awarded $710,800 in tax benefits to the project through Iowa's High Quality Jobs Program. The two groups, which now have 196 workers, are expected to create 18 new jobs, 12 of which will pay at least $30.98 an hour, state documents show. The brick-and-glass building is planned on six acres at 8901 North Park Drive, city documents show. The site will include 306 parking spaces. The project is expected to receive $1.6 million from the city of Urbandale through a tax increment finance rebate. The Urbandale City Council on Tuesday approved the site's plan for the project. Construction of the building is expected to begin in August and to be completed by September 2021. You have been listening 
to the business record on Iris. I'm your reader, Laura Gibson. Thanks for listening.